Hello there and welcome to Beyond Black, a conversation between friends that want to go where they've never been. Every Sunday, three busy ladies meet to check in and share a question or concern that challenges their current beliefs so they can cultivate a closer connection to their authentic self. For the next hour, sit with us as we go Beyond Black. So, you know, I think I think it's really fascinating listening to y'all um, as y'all do y'all check in because it seems like this week we all are kind of in the same mental space um, when it comes to breaking a lot of different patterns within our family systems. Um, one of the things I'll say for myself, if I can do this quick check in, is I realized that for 99% of my life, I'll be 35. I have, I feel like I have solely carried the responsibility of breaking generational curses. And I don't think I did it intentionally, but it was something that I don't know if it was the ancestors that brought it to my life, if, whatever the case is, but I feel like I personally have really. It, it's been more highlighted to me throughout this process um, of me becoming doctor that I carry a lot of responsibility in my life for not just myself, but for my family um, and even people behind me. And so what I wanted to do today is talk a little bit about it is whose responsibility is it to break these generational curses? Is it our responsibility? Is it the community's responsibility? Whose responsibility? Because, you know, um, just doing a little bit of work um, with Black women in a community, it's like this unspoken rule that we, that we do it to ourselves. We have to break the curses. And, and it's like, where did that come from? So I wanted to take some, a little bit of time to start to unpack it. Y'all ready to start? Yeah, because that yes. is absolutely the theme. Literally, we talked about that today with my dad and my brother, because I had never heard the perspective from his side and from from my intimate family. My parents split when I was five. So it was my mother, myself and my younger brother. That's it. So no masculine energy, no male model, no, no sameness for him and his perspective about I would say myself and then I would say even just female images female representatives is a bit tarnished it's tainted and I it was so important to give him context there's so much out of his sight and knowing it's not about where you come from, like, oh, I come from Africa. It's knowing where you come from, meaning what did your parents go through? What have your grandparents gone through? What have your great grandparents gone through? And as far back as you can go, it's not always about slavery. We all have that as like an overarching, let's say, cultural experience. And there's many patterns, I would say, cycles that we're focusing on that come with it. But it's manifested in different ways. So knowing about abuse in your family is so important because the outcome of that 
the treatment of that can appear in unknown ways and you could be doing it and not even realizing that you're doing it. Yeah, I, I need you to, to scream that part again. <laughs> you could be doing it. It's not about other people all the time. So like thinking about whose responsibility it is. And this kind of goes back to our uh, our first recording, like our first episode, we talked about selfishness. If you focus on yourself, you going to realize either what's been done or what what you have been conditioned to believe or what you went through or what you're continuing to do. So that way you can recognize what feels good, what's working, what's not working, and then create space for something different, for something new that your family probably doesn't do or they don't talk about or you've never seen before which is needed because these, you know, abuse comes in so many shapes and forms. Even you harping on yourself, being harsh and uh, placing so much pressure on yourself. That's a form of abuse to yourself. A thousand percent. (laughs) I mean, that's abusive behavior. And, you know, as you're speaking about that, I had a conversation with my mom last week. And it was kind of an enlightening moment for me because I I neglected some of the traits that I may have gotten from her because I was only focused on some of the traits that the bad negative traits that um, I didn't want to have. Right. And I realized last week my mom is really driven, like psychotically driven. And I didn't know that before because I was so focused on like the negative stuff. Like, you know, she's like crazy. I don't want to be crazy. <laughs> I want to show my kids love, you know, because she didn't really know how to do that. But she is really driven. And I used to, uh, while going through my therapy sessions, my therapy has been asking me for the past three, four weeks now, like, why are you so like this? not just being about the idea of being perfect, but you want success so hard. And in talking with her last week, I was like, I had a moment of, huh, I'm really hearing her. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I am parroting her belief system, even though there's been a gap You know, like there's been a significant gap between, uh, I would say, age 10 to 20, where I didn't really have the influence of my mother. So to know, like to really hear her, like see her and hear her as I'm doing this reflection on myself, the when this topic of generational, like the things that we're passing, the things that we're doing, I'm like, I had a it was a full stop moment for me, like, wow. The reason why I can't explain it is because there are things that I have learned that I was unconsciously learned and I wasn't aware of. So I don't really know what that means at this point in time. But what it does tell me is the person of not being so kind to herself, you know, the person of driving yourself to the wall because you you want to you're making the decision to is may not just be a self thing. It could be something I learned 
from one of the main influencers in my life, you know, because I, I, I truly believe your parents are your first influencers, your first mentors. So breaking generational curse is very important because I feel like I've been conscious about it. But this one hit me. Ooh, baby. This one was in the blind spot. Truly. Because mm. things you don't know or you're not aware of that can really that can really uh, shine light on some things. So I think know. that's like the beauty of therapy is because it helps us be able to see those blind spots um, because we all have them. And like Corey has said, you know, in the beginning is that we can be doing things to ourselves, but at the same time, what I'm hearing you say, Krista, is that I didn't even know that I'm doing this to myself. So I'm like, I'm making these patterns, making these decisions, but they're all still connected to the things that we've been taught generationally. And for me, I it, it hit me sometime this week that I didn't realize a lot of my movements or how I moved in the world, even though I, I will say, yes, for me to be Dr. Kalisha at 35 years old, single mom, rocking it out, people like you, you are like the, the bomb mom. And I'm like, <laughs> a lot of these decisions has been made out of fear. A lot of the life of what I'm doing now. And I see that generationally is that I always feel like I don't want to do so much of what the past used to do that I'm still finding myself falling in the same traps because I'm so fearful of them. That right there. It's the craziest thing. And, and, it, and it hit me and it's like, well, damn, I I, I saw all it. I, I watched these things happen over and over and over again. But yet I find myself because I'm so fearful of me not even making the mistake, even though it's not necessarily a mistake. And so is it my responsibility or this is where I'm at right now? Is it is it my responsibility to change the generational curse or to change just my life? Because I, it's both. It's both because that's what, you know. My brother had the same, and I'm using that because it, it it hit me so hard and it's super recent. He had the same uh, I, mindset. So the fear of being shut down, the fear of being decided for or or powerless. So that fear was really the motivation to adopt and learn how to be assertive. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, if you're so focused on making sure that that never happens to you, that's what you're attracting. And you're so hyper cautious about other people's treatment of you, how they're talking, how they're interacting with you. You are using that old perception and that old experience as your lens. So any type of let's say trigger is the hot word now, right? Oh, I'm so triggered, triggered. You think that that's really against you and you think that you have to be guarded, that you have to be assertive. It's like, once you recognize what hasn't worked or what doesn't work, whether that's from a family unit or out in the world, because it's just really all of us meshing together all of our family stuff, in reality, whether we have different work culture or home culture. But once you recognize this is what I don't want, 
that's still going to be your primary focus until you recognize what is possible and what feels good. And then you focus primarily on that. I think it's a biggest, the biggest struggle for myself and many people who look like me in this culture in America, because when have we experienced, it's not about opposite. That's not the word. I'm not trying to think of extremes like, okay, well, if it's bad and it doesn't feel good, well, what's on the other side of the spectrum? How do how do we get out of opposites and just simply redirecting? Because that's what we're doing, redirecting our own lives and also redirecting the progression of legacy or starting a legacy. Because maybe you've there hasn't been one before. So, (laughs) you know, the amazing piece about you what you were just saying Corey from the standpoint of um the stories that we tell ourselves or sometimes the stories that we create right and it really comes into like how you're and what how you're manifesting the things that you're fearful about because you know Kali's talked about fearful and I'm and I'm like yeah one of the big things that I, I mentioned earlier about some things that I was focused on but the, this this thing I just mentioned was a blind spot, right? One of the biggest focus for me was my mom, I'm the only child for my mother. And my mom uh, is a single mom, but she was separated from her mother at 10 years old, right? Mm. And she was very focused on that and did not want that to happen. However, it manifested and I was separated from my mother at 10. So- What I started looking at was, okay, my focus is not the separation. My focus is the love. Because you can be physically separated from a person, but if you are also emotionally and spiritually separated from a person, then that also creates other issues. So I I literally took the power away from that 10. I don't even, I didn't, I didn't want to say it out loud. <laughs> say it. Say it. I, I removed the power of that 10 year old spell, right? And more so just turned it with if I go into when I do have kids, my focus is love, pure, unconditional love. They're going to feel it, they're going to see it, they're going to know it. So because I have to rewrite the story of focusing on, oh, my kids are not going to leave me at 10. My kids are not going to leave me at 10 because that's what my mother parroted. And she didn't tell me this. My aunt told me this. And so she listens to this podcast. It's going to be hell for my aunt. But <laughs> but at the end of the day, uh, that's what she focused on. So you got to recreate the story so you don't manifest what you don't want. And that, and that comes to generational things. I'm still trying to answer that question you asked, Kalisha, because I'm still battling with it. No, I, yo, I'm like over here getting goosebumps because the thing that I heard and I and I don't know if it can, it really did happen organically is that, well, one, we all chasing how to do it. That that's that's like we have been, uh, you know, we doing this work. We know we doing this work because we we put it on our plates to do the work. 
but to the way to battle it or the way to actually grow through the curse is is about love. And I didn't I never thought about it that way that it starts with our own self love regardless of what is going to happen. Exactly. And through the cuz life is is rocky. Shit, this whole freaking uh, single mom life I thought that I, I, I mean, I seen it. I know some strong women. I mean, I come from a really li- a long lineage of women that's been rocking shit all through generations upon generations. I know strong women. However, one of the things is it was really hard to to understand that a lot of the things wasn't built out of love. It was built out of necessity. And to be able to move through or not pass this on is learning to love myself as a black woman in its full entirety, not just the pieces that I want everybody to see, not just the pieces I want to accept about myself. And I think that that was that that's the thing that I just heard that I I felt like I needed to hear today more than anything else. Love is it. That's all it is. And everything. And I think I asked this last night to a friend. I was like, he's like, oh, everything has an answer. Everything has an answer. And I'm like, okay, well, then what is love? There's no straight singular answer for that because it's so many things at the same time. That's that's the key is fluidity. I think if if we could pick any word, it would be fluidity because you have to be present. You have to kind of saturate the situation with your with your attention, with your devotion, with your care and adaptability and not be so fixed in yourself, in your fear, in your even what you want. Sometimes it's it's beyond you. We have to be able to integrate another person's view, another person's needs, and it's meshing everybody together versus domination versus, I would say, I call them thresholds versus boundaries. Boundaries are important for sure to help us keep our sanity, but division isn't real. Love merges everything. So when we find ourselves unable to create that bridge of understanding, of acceptance, forgiveness, that's that's where we're not able to break the cycle. Cycles will remain if we're not bridging what what we feel. Because it's okay to feel what you feel. But if you aren't able to share it, you're not able to reach another person or you're not willing to, those cycles will remain until you experience that forgiveness is is at least what I'm working through, what I've witnessed myself. And even with all the strangers that I meet, all these people walking around with hurt just hurt. And it's always the underlying reason why somebody's angry, why somebody's uh, 
difficult to work with, to listen to, to understand, because you yourself either have a whole world of hurt that you're not willing to work through, or you are blind to the world of hurt. So you're completely unable to have compassion and empathy and be there for another person who's working through those things. And that could very much happen because if you stay in a certain state for so long, right, that you like the muscle, when you hurt a part of your body, the muscle comes in and it's like, oh, let me save this. But it's, it's kind of enabling it to that certain area of your body, right? It covers it to protect it, but it also puts you in a trick spot because it prevents you from getting better with your posture or with that particular area of your body, right? It's the same concept. If you stay in a certain state, it's hard for you to get out of it if it's a negative state for you to even see yourself being that way. But if you go back to the like focusing on love, it doesn't matter what happened that's outside of your circumstances. At the end of the day, you can always choose to love. But so when it comes to generational, is it our responsibility for me? I feel it's very much my responsibility. And my responsibility, my responsibility being a person to walk and implement those things that I know that are important. And the base of it is love. You know, I think a lot of things could have been, even with the separation that I shared with you all at 10, there was also, there was an emotional separation that occurred. There there was a real, there was a separation that occurred, even though it was physical. But when you have, when you do everything with love, it's like I was just telling this person the other day, you haven't spoken to somebody in years and you start talking to them. It's like you haven't missed a beat because you led with love. Right. Or you have love for that particular entity. It may not be a love that's needed to be deposited regularly. Right. Because some love do require that. But it, it's a love that doesn't you know, it stands on its own. So when you revisit it, you feel it. You're like, oh, man, I miss this. How come we don't stay in touch <laughs> type of thing, you know, but that for so honestly, you know, I can safely say for me that I, I feel for me, it has to be, you know, something that I continue to show and teach my kids, teach my nieces and nephews, uh, you know, how to to lead with love and be more of beings of love and not hate and not all these other things or not judgment, all these other things that are not built off of love. It's so interesting because as we're diving into, you know, talking about love, I feel like for myself, I don't have a problem loving other people. I have a problem with loving myself. And I used to be like, yeah, I love myself. I'm the shit. I, I'm confident. I'm all these things. But at the root of it, the things that I have done to myself, the conditions I put myself, it couldn't have been love. Because if it was, the it would have been perpetuating better or gooder things that I wanted in my life. And 
I've been taught that I needed to, everything had to always be external. I had to always give love, but that love that I so desperately desire never came back to me. And so for me and my generational stuff going on is to wholeheartedly love myself in its entirety and not feel guilty that that love is what's going to help my son better himself to say that it is okay to love yourself. You don't have to go outside yourself or get get love outside of you. I have to do it first to show him that this is just as important as giving love to someone else. I think that that's where my generational stuff is really heading towards. That is deep, honestly, because uh, I would say acceptance, um, inclusion and acceptance. If you don't feel that in your home, your household, that's one part. And then if you don't feel that in the other environments, I would say the other primary environment is school other than your family. If you don't feel accepted and included in a way that you receive it, not because someone hugs you, not because someone says hello and smiles at you. I mean, like really includes you because of the gift that you've been given, the gift of creativity, the gift of intelligence, the gift of, you know, uh, problem solving, the gift of humor, really seeing you for what you are. And then when none of that happens, you then try to, you mold yourself to be accepted by others. All this conditioning Meaning meeting everyone else where they are rather than having this internal knowing not only of what you are, but what your preferences are, what you like, what you deserve, what you wish for and being able to shout that, being able to share that, talk about it, live it, just be it. But if those things have never been welcomed for you to openly express, for you to openly share with your environment and not just your parents, but just the world, I would hope, and this is the mission that I'm consistently seeing with our our generation, people in their 20s and their 30s, your goal is to separate conditioning, things that aren't working, things that keep us within, I would say, the cage of our minds, which is ultimately a fear bit, a fear-based castle. Once you come out of that and you explore the unknown territory, you begin to realize what your gift is. And that is the gift of love as you have it, because Everyone has a piece of it. But if you aren't sharing it, then the pie is not whole. We are not united and we're not whole. And unfortunately, others have that fear and scarcity like, okay, I don't have it. So I need to take someone else's. I need to take what you have. I need to bring you down. 
I need to make you feel small because I don't have it. I don't know where it's at or I've never had it. I don't even know what it looks like. Um, I don't know if you all have heard this saying that um, treat people how you want to be treated. Right. You guys have all heard that. Right. The golden rule. The oh. golden rule. But as I went on my own um, self-discovery, my philosophy shifted to treat people how they want to be treated. Because my standard for myself is very different from standards for other people. And I realized with that one shift of understanding that that piece of it is basically understand that love is a, a part of love is communication, right? Love to me is so like this huge momentous thing that, you know, it's so hard to quantify, you know, because it's like, I was telling someone the other day, I said, hey, it's not hard for me to fall in love with someone. Because if I'm around you, I am going to care. I'm a caring being. So if I care about you, like we tend to look at love depending on what who it is from a very perverted standpoint at times. Or, you know, like love is love is however you're talking about it in that context. Right. But at times when you are saying, you know what, I love you or being able to say that to someone. People get really weird about it, you know, when you first meet them, it's okay. Like, oh my God, there's nothing that comes with saying that you love a person, but society has made this thing about love where it's something so hard to achieve. Right. And the other part of it, you don't know how to utilize it for yourself. So because you don't know how to utilize it for yourself, it's always external. And then there's this there's this underlying unspoken expectation that I do this for you. You got to do for me. So it's like this. Oh, this this turn for something type of thing when it comes to love versus just being like, let me just give you what who I am and how I am and how I care with no expectation of you returning to sender. Isn't that fascinating how society you know, because we are all made up of beings that love is always conditional. Always. It's sickening. A transaction of some sort. But love in its pure space is unconditional. And yet we still struggle how that is when we know that it's us, it's, it's, it's who we are is the ones that's creating these conditions. And it's the most fascinating process because, you know, I, I, it's crazy that I said, me and my cousin got in this conversation yesterday about love, about what is love. Uh And I said, it's the, it's the glue that brings connection. And he was like, what? And it's like, it's the glue that brings connection that that's it. I mean, in it, it is pure entity, you know, it, it's not, you don't have to give something away. You don't have to do something for love to exist. It's just what helps us bridge together to individuals or even with ourselves bridge what the, the feelings, the things that's inside of us to ourselves that we need so that we can grow. Right. So it, it's the, 
it's hard to define, but it's there. It's always going to be there. Love is anyway. And, and I think that's by design, right? I, I, I really believe that's by design. Can I ask y'all something? Of course. What what's what's your what's your love language, Corey? And then I ask the same thing to you once Corey tells us our love language. What's your top two? Primary words of affirmation. Okay. I I need words and I would say um uh touch. Like I don't know the official term, but Physical touch. touch. Physical yeah, touch. Okay. physical touch and words of affirmation. Well, which one's first? Which one's your primary? Words. Words and then physical touch. What about you, Kalisha? Mine's is quality time and physical touch. And I find that fascinating because when I had my breakdown with uh, my child's father, that was the two things that I took out the relationship. Mm-hmm. Hit me until you asked me that, and I was like, "Damn, I do that. I I value it so much that I'm very protected. I'm very protective of those par- those areas too." <laughs> so mine is um, quality time, acts of service are those two, right? Um, so the reason why I asked that question is that's how we receive love, right? So I feel like we can use that as a way to how to treat ourselves, how to love on ourselves based on how we receive love, right? From others. Is there an opportunity for for that to happen? Or is there an opportunity for um, us to maybe have a different communication when it comes to ourselves or how we receive love? Because <laughs> it may be different because love language is how we receive it from others, right? Is that the same for ourselves? You know, they I say mean, no. Right. Like how you receive mm-hmm. isn't necessarily the same way that you put out or enter or give. Like the way you take love, receive love could be different than how you give love. It could be. But what I does that really that. mean? Because like giving. uh I, I look at it like, uh, so for example, I would say mine are different because the way that I give love, the number one way is quality time or acts of service. That's how I give. Because when, I, when I'm using my words, I can give compliments, you know, I can give a charm and affection through words, but I don't tend to do that. I'm more of taking care of you. And maybe that maybe that makes sense because we act we act how we have been treated and we like we were saying golden rule, treat others as you want to be treated. So even though I like to receive words, I personally like to be taken care of, but that's how I'm giving you that experience. I want you to feel the way I feel, but I'm doing it through taking care of things for you. It could also be gifts or it's making you feel special, but not through words, through an experience. 
So the question as I hear you is, have you been conditioned that you have to give service? For yeah. Received that way. Yeah, I think so. And the reason why I, I bring that up is because, especially if we are receiving, is what we we feel like will be the best for us, or this is what we need for us to to feel fulfilled. But especially with Black women, we have this underlining subconscious condition that we have to do something to receive something in return. And as we already broke down about love, is that love is, should be just be there. It, it, it's just existing. And it, we don't have to touch it. We don't have to do anything to it. But we are so conditioned to have to do something all the time that we, we can get in a way of having to give and receive the thing that we need and so direly want so much of. And I would say, like I, I said a little bit when it comes to my, my own relationship and I'm stuttering because I didn't realize that I am so protective of me that I can be the the thing that is blocking me from even receiving the mm. love because I'm I'm I don't want anything in here to be tarnished because I I've already did the tarnishing of it. I don't need yeah. somebody else to come in and block all the the nastiness that I already have built within myself from all the wow. things that happened in my life. And it it kind of goes back to what Krista was talking about earlier that and and Corey you said it too that we we can whip ourselves all the time we we can do these things we do it unconsciously because I I chuckled when she asked me that question because I was like damn I really withhold my love Mm -hmm. because I have an issue with just loving myself right now in in both ways and that is the the power of that generational stuff, yes. at least for me. Baby. Hey. Yo. Yo. <laughs> it's, hoarding. And hoarding. Um, you could still be OCD and hoard. Yes. Because you hoarding those emotions. You're hoarding your thoughts. Preach. You're hoarding those feelings. And God knows why. I don't know. I don't know why, but I... You know, it's like rest, drop them bags, bag lady. Yo, Erica was, she Man, was thinking that song. When I got older, let me tell you, when I got older and I learned what she was talking about, it hit, I cried. I cried in the car because I was like, I see it. I have seen it all my life through my mother and other women and I saw it in myself. So no, so that was the realization like, damn, all right, this is the weight. Well, how do we get rid of it? And that goes all the way back to the how everyone has to figure out the how some way, somehow you will just because you beg the question, how do I get rid of this? All it takes is the curiosity. That is it. All you got to do is ask. When you knock on that door, somebody going to answer for real. Yep. And it's never about a no. 
it's always yes or wait because you only experience what you're ready for. If you could do anything on a daily basis, share. Share. Give yourself the kindness and give yourself the opportunity to not hoard. Share. And it doesn't mean put your shit on another person. That's totally different because everybody has stuff. Share. Share information. Share. Give someone the opportunity to really be in your inner world. Share your inner world. Even if you're shaking, your throat is burning and vibrating. Like, I get it because it's like, oh, this hurts. (laughs) This hurts to do this. But you come out on the other side in love. I I definitely value everything that we're talking about today because I needed it. I definitely needed to break this down because it definitely is so powerful. And I I think that this conversation is definitely something we might have to revisit in the near future because it's like an evolutionary thing. It's not we just hitting the tip of the iceberg talking about it. But as we wrap up for, you know, this time, I want to pose the question to all of us. How are we going to be that expression of love? All right, we dove into it. We talked about it so much. But yes, it's a it's reciprocity of giving and receiving. And we know that it exists. We've said all of this already. But how can we be that expression of love? for for other people to receive it, but us to receive that love for ourselves as well. So why do you want to go first? Yeah, um, it's really breaking that that programming of um, everyone, you know, treat people how you want to be treated, because the reality of it is, is everybody's interpretation of love is is different. Right. So I think what's important is if we take away one thing that we can act on is to move with understanding, because if we understand the people around us a little bit more, it may take a little work. Right. But if we if we seek understanding from others, we can find out what's primarily important to them to to be able to receive what you are sending them if that's important to you, you know, cause for some people it, it could just, could just be money. I know I've always given out uh, quality time cause that's what I, re- I like to receive and that's what I like to give. Um, but I'm challenging myself to be open to the possibility that not everybody wants quality time, but they still want love. And it's my uh, responsibility to uh, seek understanding of what love is for them so that I can communicate that a little bit more. I may not be able to do it all the time, but I can actively do my best to communicate that a little bit more, knowing how they receive love. Um, I, anecdotally and just, you know, I think this quest Not only are you trying to chart the future, you're also ultimately trying to build a origin or find the find the base, the foundational level, the foundational layer. What's helping me build this house of life and love? Like, what is the first thing to put down? 
And the word that comes to mind and the expression that you have to really exhibit is faith. And faith is so different than belief. And it's very different than hope. Those words are not the same. Faith is the unwavering trust that what I have decided, what I, where I'm going, what I am saying is positive, it's nourishing, and it's meant to uplift. If you are talking to yourself, if you are taking on an action or a behavior that does not feel good, that is tearing you down, that you can sense is harmful to you or another person, we got to redirect it. So in the expression of love, anything that I say, I mean to give you an experience and to instill in you positivity. And it doesn't matter if it's a relationship or work or even just a, someone passing by, say something, do something, or simply be in a space of trust that you are emitting positivity, nourishment, and you wish to contribute. You have to wish that. And if you're not there to think of others just yet, do it for yourself. The way you talk to yourself, the way you treat yourself and don't make a decision. Don't take any action unless it's meant to nourish you. That could be food. That could be clothing. That could be uh, your job. It could be anything, but always do something that's meant to uplift you and place you in a in a state of peace. It's uh, fuck happiness. It's not about that. It's about peace. And love, literally. So I would say faith for me. I will say for me. It is just to be. And what I mean by that is I am love. And I'm saying that to myself and I'm saying it to everybody that is listening that I can be love without having to do anything to to say anything that who I am, my uniqueness, all that I am is what is necessary for what is going on right now and leave it there. And that is so hard for me, but I need to do that for myself before I can do anything else with anyone else. And that's how I'm going to express love from now until hopefully forever. If I can, we'll see. Thank you for including us in your journey of betterment. Please subscribe and share these messages with friends and family alike. Be sure to catch our next conversation on Anchor and follow us on Twitter at Beyond Black Podcast. Have a wonderful week and until next Sunday.